seven types of wisdom necessary for greatness. We have so far looked at conscience, which is moral wisdom. We have looked at maturity, which is behavioral wisdom. We have looked at talent, which is innate wisdom. We have looked at imitation, which is transferred wisdom. And then we have looked at information, which is cognitive wisdom. Today we want to look at last two. We want to look at invention, invention, the creative wisdom, and then we look at the fear of the Lord, divine wisdom. Amen. So, wisdom type six. Okay. So, number six, invention, creative wisdom. Invention, the creative wisdom. Okay. Proverbs chapter 3 and the verse 19. Proverbs 3 and the verse 19. By wisdom, now note that. The Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. Wow. By wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. Okay. You know that scientists are still discovering new planets and they are still realizing that God is so wise that the things he created, they, they are still struggling to understand. Today they will say, oh, we have discovered this. Tomorrow they will say, no, it didn't look like this. How many of you did science? I did science at least up to form four. And you, did you realize that most of the science books, there were different editions, you know, editions. And it looks like Every edition was the redefinition of the previous one. And how scientists continuously change their positions on things they thought they had discovered about God and about creation. You see, God created this beautiful world with wisdom. It's called the creative wisdom of God. The creative wisdom of God. And you know that when we say you have created something, it means that you have done something that did not exist before. Are you understanding me? Now, because God poured a little of himself into man, you see, the breath of God in you is not just for breathing out carbon dioxide and breathing in oxygen. But the breath of God in you is God pouring a little of himself into you. So sometimes, even though you are not God, you can act like God. You have certain attributes of God. And one of the attributes of God that you carry is divine creativity. Your ability 
to invent things, to bring into existence things that did not exist before. In fact, every human being carries certain level of creative wisdom. So every human being can be an inventor. You can invent something that can forever change your life and change your generation. Not only believers, even unbelievers carry a little of God in them. Amen. You see, if you look at the invention of the Facebook, the invention of the iPad and laptops, is showing how creative men are. Are you understanding me? Anytime I sit in airplanes and I look at the weight of the aircraft, that huge metal, and then it carries other weight in terms of luggages, and yet it can still hang in there like a bed and can fly for six hours, for nine hours, non-stop, just hanging in there. The amazing thing is that at some point, the pilot can decide to put the aircraft on autopilot and the aircraft itself (laughs) will move. And it's not like there are streets where you see street numbers and street signs, but you are just piloting based on something called compass. And it's telling you that from Accra to London, there is a particular geographical terms and uh, decrees that you must turn to be able to get to your destination. And by using the compass and knowing that in six hours you must be in London, you just know it. And then when the plane is coming down, that huge thing, there is only something called the runway. The runway that you just need to land that big thing on. And you are in the clouds and you don't see it. And you are just coming and they are directing you 10 northeast, 25 degrees to northeast. And then they tell you this and then finally you land. And sometimes you are amazed. How did this happen? Creativity, invention. The human being is so blessed with the ability and the capacity to invent things and to bring into existence things that did not exist before that can help you and I and all of us to even live better life and a more comfortable life. Look at a ship on the sea. Look at you. What is your weight? But you jump into the sea and you will sink. But the ship will carry cars and will carry loads, will carry containers and will still be, be on the sea. Amazing things. You sit here right now in this chapel and somebody can just simply send you a message from America. And by test, you just respond. You see, look, look. You know, it, it hurts me that my father didn't live to see the 21st century creativity. And you know what hurts me? It hurts me that life ends at some point. And one day I will die. I can imagine what my son, Papa Fair, will see that I will not see. That you can, you can live here and go to London in one hour, I'm telling you, and come back. The world was so globalized. Because the human being's capacity to create is so vast, is so huge. But sometimes, when you're enjoying the creativity of Bill Gates, and you're enjoying the creativity of the founder of Facebook, 
and you were enjoying the creativity of the Wright brothers who invented aeroplanes, and you were enjoying the creativity of light and all these things, I think one of the major things you should ask yourself is, what am I creating? What am I creating? What, what am I able to do for others to benefit from it? Creative wisdom. I pray that today, God will bless you with creative wisdom. Have you, haven't you wondered how doctors can, can just put human beings down and cut them and, and rearrange things in the, in, in, inside them? Let me show you something. I've spoken about more very complex inventions. Let me even come to a level. Let me go to Adabraka. <laughs> okay, do you know something? I grew up in Adabraka, so all my childhood memories are there. There used to be a place called Lomnava. It was an eatery, local, traditional restaurant. Lomnava sells only banku and okra and tilapia. Very nice, boiled, cooked tilapia. Lunchtime, people with four-wheel drives and cars and bank managers. Everybody would queue for Lomnava. Because one woman creatively decided to, to open a restaurant in a particular area and her banco was different her soup was different and people would kill because at that instant she invented something that did not exist i read somewhere that man has only succeeded in using 10 percent of his brain's capacity so i asked myself so those who invented airplane and light and all those things they just use 10 percent there's some of us, we have not even used 0.000%. Are you understanding me? Now, I want you to know that the formula for success is thinking, innovation, and invention. The formula for achievement is thinking, innovation, and invention. The formula for accomplishment is thinking, innovation, and invention. Okay? If you innovate, you will invent. And that is success. If you think you innovate, you will invent, and that is achievement. If you think you innovate, you will invent, and that is accomplishment. So somebody may ask, so what is thinking, what is innovation, and what is invention? Matthew chapter 6, I'm reading from the verse 25 to the verse 27. Matthew 6, from the verse 25 to the verse 27. I'm reading from the NIV. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Underline worry. Do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the bears of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in burns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they who are few by worrying? And the line worrying again can add a single hour to his life. Wow. You see, Jesus was very specific. And his choice of words, he's very intentional about it. When he chose to use the word, do not worry. He knew what he was talking about. But you see, most believers, we have misunderstood the scripture. People say, well... And for me, I'm not thinking about tomorrow because Jesus says I should not worry about it. But you see, there's a vast difference, difference between thinking and worrying. Jesus did not say, do not think about tomorrow. He said, do not worry about tomorrow. Worrying 
is using your mind to magnify problems like we do in this country you know in this country we worry more than we think we magnify problems we magnify problems you wake up in the morning and you you tune your radio to the morning shows it's just about magnifying our problems and nobody is providing solutions to them people living in dirty neighborhoods and their gutters are not cleared and cleaned by the city authorities will call into a radio station and complain about it when all they have to do is to clean it by themselves but we have people today who will complain about everything and magnify problems because we are a people that have refused to think we have chosen to worry and sometimes for political expediency we would deliberately magnify problems and refuse to think and to provide solutions we gain independence in the same year malaysia and the rest in the in the in the, in asia gained independence whilst they were thinking we were worrying today look at where they are they have succeeded in declaring their independence from the manipulations and machinations of imf and the world bank whose policies economic policies is aimed at helping the western countries to control developing countries and we are here we have scientists who are not thinking by worrying we have doctors who are not thinking by worrying we have engineers who are not thinking but worrying some few years ago we had some machines breaking down and the government decided to bring engineers from outside to fix. i think it was an electrical machines or so and there were engineers in this country who were angry that we we are here why brings people from outside to repair and my question was simple who should manufacture it for you to repair it when they were going to buy it you did not say let us manufacture it ourselves they went to buy it and when they brought it it broke down and you say we will repair it ourselves let us repair it we worry more than we think you know when pastors do not want to think when you tell them your problems they say this is the devil it is easier to put on the devil and pray it's so easy you go to tell your pastor i have a legal problem my landlord is taking me to the court and this and this and this instead of saying that let me look at the contract you signed with your landlord and see what i can advise you from from the base on the contract you know what we do let's pray let's bind let's bind let's bind your landlord let's bind your but it is the easiest way out your husband is not sleeping at home he's going out the pastor is so mentally bankrupt that he will not analyze why you are suffering in your home why your husband is not sleeping they say where the devil is behind most of the negative things even your husband not sleeping at home the devil is behind it but the devil has found a loophole to use the devil can never operate until there is a there is a loophole and so if if you will not find the loophole before are, are you hearing me we have become mentally lazy people 
It is so easy to worry, magnify problems, criticize people who are doing something and offering no alternatives because it is easier to criticize. It doesn't take any energy for dogs to bark. It does not take energy for for lions to roar. It does not take a, a skill for monkeys to chatter. So it doesn't take any energy for you to criticize what others are doing. Because dogs bark, lions roar, and critics criticize. It's so easy. But let's move to the next level. Let's stop worrying and start thinking. Thinking is using your mind to generate ideas to solve problems. So whilst worrying magnifies problems, thinking solves problems. God did not create the whole world worrying. He created the world thinking. Do you know that God is not worried about you? God is thinking about you. Despite our sins, God is not worried. He's thinking, how do I get these people out? When Adam fell and he and his wife Eve were expelled from the Garden of Eden, immediately God began to think about how to restore man. God is a thinking God. He's not a worrying God. He's using his mind to always generate solutions. Everything you see, all the inventions and great things we see in our world today is the nature of God at work in men. Do you know what I'm worried about? We are very hyper-Christian, spiritual um, people who see aeroplane as demonic. It was done by Freemasons. These ones, they are Freemasons, so they see anybody doing something well and great immediately. They cannot just ascribe. Do you know that if I raise the dead here right now, it's a likelihood for somebody to say, hey, has daddy gone for some spirit? 90% of you will say, I've gone for some spirit. Only 10% will say, the man's anointing has increased. If I raise the dead right now, if I'm just walking past right now and my shadow falls on somebody, some people will say, hey, the man. Now, even his shadow is raising the dead. There's something, there's something, there's something. But if I come here as magician and I'm raising the dead, you see, oh, Charlie, he has done it because he's a magician. Sometimes we believe in magic more than miracles. Sometimes we think that because the person does not speak in tongues and the person has gotten some wisdom to do something creatively, then it is not from God. Believers are suffering from what we call superiority complex. Even when unbelievers are doing well, we are unable to acknowledge it. We think that it should have been done by a believer. But you see, we have the creation of God and the children of God. And God is responsible towards all of them. God, whatever God created, can you even imagine that the trees and the birds and the animals God created, God has still even raised people who are animal rights activists to protect the animals he created. Do you know why sometimes you go to buy wache and just when you're about to eat the wache, some way, somehow, you make a mistake and the wache just spills and it's down there because there's a bird who is hungry and God says that you won't eat this wache because you have extra money you can buy but there is a bird I created that is hungry. That bird must eat this. There's a girl called Malala. She stood up against the, the Taliban in Afghanistan. And she decided to go to school, even though they say girls shouldn't go to school. And she got an interview and said she would go to school. She was coming from school. The Taliban shot her in the head. She didn't die. 
So they took her out to Germany and then finally ended in England. And she said she has become a sensation. She speaks for the right of girls to go to school. She celebrated her 16th birthday. And on her 16th birthday, she addressed the United Nations. She's not a Christian. And yet, God has chosen to use her as a voice. I sat down yesterday to listen to a speech. Powerful speech. Insightful speech. Why is it not a 16-year-old born-again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking believer? Why should it be someone else? Because God takes care of his creation and his children. As a child of God, you may have an added advantage, but you are not better off than the creation of God. Are you, are you understand what I'm talking about? See, what we need to do as believers, do, do you know sometimes the messages from the pulpit is making us very lazy? It's telling us when you pray and you fast and you realize God will do the rest. When Elijah prayed and even prayed the seventh time and asked his servant to look whether the rain is gathering. And when the servant came and said the rain is gathering, what did he do? He got up. He ran ahead of Ahab. He told them the rain is coming. Faith in God. Prayer does not absolve you from your responsibility. Let God do the 99.9% but please the 0.1% do it. Are you understanding me? Do it. Just do it. Prayer is the most powerful force I have, force I have ever seen. Like I was born by a beggar, raised by a beggar, nurtured by a beggar. Do you know why I've become who I've become today? Because of prayer. I told you how I spent two hours every day in prayer for five years, praying for God to deliver my family from poverty, and God did it. So I believe in the power of prayer. But I also believe in what the Bible says, that faith without works is dead. That when you have faith to pray for a job, you will have the faith to write an application. And you will have the faith to work to a company and talk about getting a job. Pray for a husband. Pray and fast. And yet, you come to church, not well-dressed, because you say, God, bring me a husband. So God will do it. I don't have to do anything. A woman, you come to church, your hair is unkempt. You look so fearsome. Amen. So your prayer worked all right. By your 1% responsibility nullified your 99% prayer. Are you here with me? Okay. How many of you watched Ghana losing, the under-20 team losing to, to the French side? How many of you watched it? When you were watching the match, didn't you see the problem of the Ghanaian listing? And you sat down there, you said, ah, Salah should remove this person, and Salah should remove this person and bring this person. You see, anytime your eye sees a problem, And your ear hears a problem. Your mind triggers a solution. So we all have the capacity to generate. The solution in your mind is what we call an idea. But that idea will never ever become greater than the brain cell it occupies. Until you are able to move it from your brain into the world of reality. JSG, a graduate school of governance and leadership, was an idea. Today is an invention because I moved it out from my brains. From my brains. How did I do it? It's called innovation. Innovation. Your capacity to be able to scan your environment. And you say, who needs these ideas? How do I finance this idea? How do I sell this idea? It's called innovation. God will never give you an idea 
that is not a solution to a problem in your environment. So anytime you have an idea, it's a solution to a problem in the environment you find yourself in. All you need to do is to identify that problem that the idea is going to solve. And solve it. The seventh type of, of wisdom is called the fear of the Lord. And that is divine wisdom. Divine wisdom. Now, do you know why sometimes we think that when unbelievers are operating in creative wisdom, we think it's f- not from God? It's because, you see, when you operate in any of the, the previous six types of wisdoms I've spoken about, and you don't operate in the fear of the Lord, the devil takes advantage of your wisdom. So that's why people will go and study medicine and end up opening abortion clinics. Are you understanding me? So you say, ah, this doctor is a cultist. Because the devil will use you if you don't allow God to use you. That's why there are even pastors that today we are so suspicious of where they are getting their powers. Because when you see that pastor who is laying hands and people are falling, if you hear his stories and you see the kind of lifestyle he leads, you begin to wonder whether this is the spirit of God. The fear of the Lord. Divine wisdom. The fear of the Lord. Divine wisdom. It is the most important of all the wisdom types I've shared with you throughout the series. The most important of all the wisdom types. The fear of the Lord. Divine wisdom. Hear this. Proverbs 9 verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 15 verse 27 and then 33. Proverbs 15 verse 27 and 33. Okay, so we are looking at Proverbs 15, the verses 27, and then we jump to the verse 33. Okay. A greedy man brings trouble to his family, but he who hates bribes will live. Now hear this. The fear of the Lord teaches a man wisdom and humility comes before Anna. Are you here with me? So the major question here is, what is the fear of the Lord? That brings wisdom. So you're asking, Bishop, okay, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but what is the fear of the Lord? Let me just explain to you what the fear of the Lord is. Quickly, there are a lot of scriptures I want to read to you before we close. Psalm 34, the verse 11 to 14. Psalm 34, verse 11 to 14. Come, my children. I'm reading from the NIV. Psalm 34, verse 11 to 14. I'm reading from the NIV. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. So a father calls his children. A mother calls his children. They say, come and listen. I'll teach you the fear of the Lord. Then, from the verse 12, he begins to teach, or she begins to teach the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, verse 13, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. He begins to talk about the fear of the Lord. One, the fear of the Lord will bring you life. And the fear of the Lord will let you see many, many, many good days. But if you fear the Lord, you will keep your tongue from evil. And you will keep your lips from speaking lies. Verse 14. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. So he gives an outline of what the fear of the Lord is. Keep your tongue from evil. Your lips from speaking lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace. Pursue it. Proverbs 8.13, see this. Proverbs 8.13, Proverbs 8.13. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior, and perverse speech. 
to fear the Lord is to hate evil. When people are committing crimes and doing evil things and are sinning, you hate it because you fear the Lord. You hate it because you fear the Lord. You hate it because you fear the Lord. That is why those who fear God, that is what they do. The benefits of fearing the Lord. The benefits of fearing the Lord. Psalm 25 from the verse 12 to 14. Who then is the man that fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way chosen for him. The first thing is that when you fear God, God gives you instructions. And when God is giving you instructions, you know you will succeed. He will spend his days in prosperity. The benefit of the people that fear God, they spend their days in prosperity. His descendants will inherit the land. Your children will come after you and they will be great. The Lord confines in those who fear him. Can you imagine that? When God wants to do something, you are the first person he discusses with. He makes his covenant known to them. Wow. You can easily assess covenant blessings because you fear the Lord. Psalm 33 verse 18. Psalm 33 verse 18. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him and on those whose hope is in his unfailing love. So when you fear the Lord, the eyes of the Lord is always upon you. No evil eyes can look at you, can look upon you, but the eyes of the Lord will be upon you. Psalm 34, verse 7, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. You enjoy divine protection. Psalm 34, verse 9, fear the Lord, you he saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. For those who fear him lack nothing. Wow. Wow. Psalm 112, verse 1 to 3. Psalm 112, verse 1 to 3. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who finds great delight in his commands. His children, his children will be mighty in the land. When you fear God, you hate evil, and so your children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Psalm 128, verse 1 to 4. Psalm 128, verse 1 to 4. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in his ways. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your sons will be like olive shoes around your table. Thou is the man blessed who fears the Lord. Wow. I want to even fear him more. I want to even fear him more. Proverbs 10 verse 27. Proverbs 10 verse 27. The fear of the Lord adds length to life. But the years of the wicked are cut short. So the fear of the Lord even prolongs your life. And you live long. Proverbs 14 and 26 and 27. He who fears the Lord has a secured fortress. For his children it will be a refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Turning a man from the snares of death. Proverbs 22, verse 4. Proverbs 22, verse 4. Humility and the fear of the Lord bring wealth and honor and life. Let me conclude. What happens to those who do not fear the Lord? Just a scripture. Proverbs 1, the verses 28 and 29. Then they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but will not find me, since they hated knowledge. And did not choose to fear the Lord. Those who choose not to fear God. They said, they will call to me, but I will not answer. 
They will look for me, but will not find me, since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord. Close your eyes, lift up your hands. You want to pray a prayer right now? And you want to say, Lord, I want to fear you. I need divine wisdom. Say, Lord, help me to fear you. Help me to serve you and to fear you. Lift up your voice right now and begin to pray. Pray right now that you want to fear him. He should help you to fear him. He should give you the heart that, that reveres the Lord and fears the Lord. A heart for him to fear him. If you fear him, you will not sin against him. We're grateful for tuning in to the Pleasant Word broadcast with Bishop Gideon Titi Ofer. Brought to you by The Pleasant Place, the church with pleasant people. Dial. 0264 133333 0264 Electricity Visit www.mypleasantplace.org or call 0264-133-333 for details. Electricity, the power to perform.